0: Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim, here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. I'm a little frazzled over here, but
1: I'm I'm doing a little better. The internet crashed, my computer crashed, the Bluetooth on my computer doesn't work, so I'm just a mess of wires and stress. But I don't want that to bring
0: you down, so how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. And especially well, because... We speak with a real interesting guy in this episode. Danny Robbins is a writer and a journalist, and he's from across the pond, Lance. And uh, he does some podcasts as well, and he's a playwright too. This is a really fun conversation.
1: We were connected with Danny through a mutual friend, James McMahon, over Twitter, where James wanted to know if there was anybody who could help his buddy Danny out because Danny needed to... Get advice from someone in law enforcement, a police officer, a former police officer, somebody of that nature. And James McMahon connected us because of our work with Private Investigations for the Missing. And we connected Danny with Lou Barry, who is... A former police chief of many, many, many years. They hit it off. Danny and and Lou had a conversation. The reason why Danny needed this was because he's adapting his play to 22. That's like the time. He's adapting that play, which has been a wild success over there in the UK. It's going to be here in the states, in LA. So he needed an American cop perspective. So that's how it all came to be. Big thanks to James mcmahon for that. And then once we started looking into Danny, we realized this is a perfect conversation for Crawl Space. And even though. Danny was in the middle of a sweltering heat wave and admits to sweating profusely not because of the nature of our questions but because of the temperature he certainly lived up to and exceeded expectations
0: he is a great podcaster he dives into paranormal stuff he's got podcasts called Uncanny, another one called The Battersea Poltergeist, and another one called Haunted.
1: And stay tuned, we'll probably have some follow-up here whenever The Play 222 premieres in LA. We'll make sure that everyone knows about that because according to The Guardian, Broadway World, The Evening Standard, Daily Mail, I mean this is a uh show that you cannot miss. A supernatural thrill ride.
0: Okay, everybody, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Follow Danny on Twitter at Danny underscore Robbins. That's one B and one N. And follow us on social media while you're at it. We're at Crawl Space Pod or Crawl Space Podcast. Thank you. And be
1: sure to give us a good review. If you're listening, you got a couple of minutes, toggle right over. Give us that five-star review. Tell us how cool we are. Goes a long way. And Tim, what shouldn't they be?
0: <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't be curmudgeons about, uh, about giving us a great review. All right, we'll break here for commercial real quick, and we'll be right back with Danny Robbins. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Robbins. Danny Robbins, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm
2: very good, thank you.
0: Well, you were just saying that you're um, very hot. I'm actually
2: very sweaty as we talk. Uh, I'm in my shed in my garden where I work. If anybody listens to my podcast, they might know about the shed. It's where I do all my investigations. I I pin things up to the walls and make it look like a a kind of crime investigation place. And um, yeah, and today it's like a sauna. I'm stuck in here in intense heat. I think it's about sort of 90 degrees in your strange Fahrenheit temperatures and early 30s in my Celsius ones. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm literally dripping as I talk to you.
1: I mean, most of the times the guests on our show do sweat, but it's mostly because they're terrified to be on the show. We have the, you know, the hardball questions here. There's no softball, so uh, we're used to it, is what I'm saying, but. Before we get into your work, tell the listeners where you are, because you're using uh, strange words like Celsius, <laughs> and how this came to be.
2: So I'm in London. I live on the kind of outskirts of London in, in Britain. And um, so how did this come to be? Well, I mean, I I make things about ghosts, and I think that, that is an overlap of interests between ourselves. And um, I, I approached you quite randomly, I think, didn't I? I, I was asking for some help. Tracking down uh, an American cop. I, I'm currently in the process of rewriting my play. I wrote a play called two twenty two A ghost Story that was um that is still on in the West End in London, and it's been kind of a big hit over here, and we're we'll bringing it across to the states to l a in October. and I'm Americanizing it. I'm setting it in the states for this new version. so, I was reaching out trying to find a cop who could help me on a few little bits of um, information about the play. And and here we are. Here we find ourselves chatting.
1: I have to ask, the police officer with whom we connected you, is that working out?
2: It is. He was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chief Lou Berry, uh, who I think is is a regular over your way. Is that right? Um, yeah, he was great. I mean, it, it, it's, it's brilliant to tap into someone who really knows what they're talking
1: about. Our mutual acquaintance, our mutual friend, James McMahon, had pinged us on Twitter saying, I think this guy could use your help. There was no other person, once we figured out who it was you needed. I mean, Lou Berry just covered every single base that you needed covered as far as, like, the criteria that you had described. He was a police chief. It's exactly what he does. Like, that's his whole life. So, really glad to hear that that worked out for you. No, no, he, he nailed it. It was
0: great. Danny, before we get into your specific projects, I want to ask about this quote from the Sunday Times. It's on your Twitter bio at Danny underscore Robbins, 1B1N. They called you a contemporary Van Helsing. I know. It's nice. I mean... Uh, There's been a few
2: nice things recently. I I kind of, I don't know about you, but I like to collect these quotes that could go into your Twitter bio. And I've had a a latter day, Alfred Hitchcock was a nice one recently. Uh, Audio hero of all things spooky. And that Van Helsing one, I guess, you know, what I do, I think is, I don't know, there's no way to say this without sounding a little bit sort of megalomaniac about it. But I think it's quite unique what I do. Like, I think most paranormal shows Fall into two camps. They're either for the believers or they're for the skeptics. You know, I think that's very true of stuff on TV. I mean, generally paranormal shows on TV run involve a lot of running around with night vision cameras and, and screaming and that kind of thing. I've kind of occupied the space which attracts believers and skeptics in equal measure, and also that even bigger group in the middle of people who aren't sure what to believe. And I guess I would fall into that. I'm the uh, the skeptic who wants to believe. What I do, I do investigations. I, I people tell me their ghost stories. These are all real-life ghost stories. And I'm in a very kind of luxurious place now where enough people know my work that I get this steady stream of emails coming in with these amazing stories. We delve into these stories, but we do it in a very non-judgmental way where, you know, we're neither believers nor sceptics. We're listening to this story. We're taking it as this incredible moment in somebody's life, this life-changing moment where they experience something that they believe was paranormal they feel they can't explain in another way and just exploring what it might have been and and it seems to really galvanize people i guess and we live in this very divided world where you go on social media everybody's shouting at everybody else you're digging your trench and kind of saying what you believe in here we have a situation where this community has grown around my shows of people who agree to disagree so you've got people on completely opposite ends of the spectrum some believe that there is life after death and some Utterly refuse to countenance that. And yet they're enjoying this in their own way. Each of these ghost stories is a detective story. And if you're a skeptic, it's a how done it. And if you're a believer, it's a who done it. Who's the ghost? And I just I love that aspect of my work. I love the fact that it's brought people together.
1: I gotta say, hearing that is really refreshing because when we do the more true crime storylines on Crawl Space and we have another podcast that covers missing persons called Missing, the community that's involved is super passionate, but you get people taking things personally in that community if you're not in line with way of thinking that someone else is in line with and to hear that you take these ghost stories as something less like fun ghost story more like I want to learn about the moment that your life changed because of this that you take it and you understand it to be a life changing moment. Was that your intent going into it or did you gradually discover that?
2: I I think you know I guess like any documentary maker I'm interested in people and I think that traditionally paranormal shows are focused much more on a place they get very fixated on going to you know here in the UK like a castle or a haunted pub you know in in the States it's probably like you know old prisons and asylums and you know you get very fixated about the place and as soon as you get to that place it feels like it's ripe with potential for anticlimax because you're there, you're wanting something to happen and it doesn't happen. And, and the only way to kind of make it exciting is to manufacture something. If, if you're much more focused on people and, and the things that have happened to people, then you can't be disappointed because this incredible, extraordinary thing has already happened. That person is telling you about it. And yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated by these psychological dramas. And I guess what I did, which was kind of new within the genre, was I applied the true crime format to a ghost story. I I took the first story I did was this, case called the Battersea Poltergeist. It wasn't famous at all, actually, when I I, I got onto it. It was an old case from the 1950s that had been kind of overlooked. And we dived into it. We treated it as a paranormal cold case and explored it. And it really exploded. It really caught people's imagination, not just here in the UK, but all across the world. It was the number one drama podcast everywhere, including the States. And, you know, people just they, they loved the detective story aspect of it, but also they were really, really fascinated by the woman at the heart of it, Shirley Hitchings, who was a teenager back in the 1950s, now in her 80s. When you heard her talk about this, you could feel that she was scared. You could feel this fear in her voice and that... that works on you. That makes you feel scared. And you sort of feel like if this happened to her, this incredibly ordinary woman, then it could happen to me too. And I think that that's the power of a ghost story for me. It's that realness, that ability for us to plant ourselves into the story. What happened in this case,
0: the the case of the uh, Battersea poltergeist?
2: Well, it's an intriguing case. It it went on for 12 years. I think it's the longest documented poltergeist case in history. And it starts with strange noises, incredible thumping, loud bangs that seem to wake the entire street up, moves onto objects flying across the room, slippers walking around of their own accord, strange fires. And then you have like, it gets onto really crazy stuff like letters seemingly from this ghost writing on the walls. An incredible array of phenomena really. It's all centered around this ordinary working class family in Battersea in South London. And particularly this, this girl, this teenage girl. So often these poltergeist cases seem to revolve around a teenager and particularly teenage girls so it's really interesting as a kind of it's a coming of age story in in its own way as well yeah i mean it just it totally hooked people and we had like two page spreads in every tabloid newspaper and it was on tv around the world and, and then sort of short way into the podcast being released suddenly there was this bidding war around it, and I ended up doing this deal with Blumhouse, the big Hollywood horror producers, to make a series of it. So now we're developing that. Um, we just announced a couple of days ago we're developing it for Peacock in the States. Yes, I mean, it was it was mad. And I, I went on this incredible journey from making this podcast in my shed, where I'm talking to you now, to suddenly kind of talking to Hollywood, you know? And, and it was amazing, but I think it shows the power of a good story, really. This was a, a story that, caught people at the right moment i think here we all were living in lockdown in the heart of the covid era something really resonated about this story of a family trapped in their house this kind of claustrophobia the family were trapped not just from the, the poltergeist activity but also they had the nation's press outside their house camping outside it got a really became a really big story uh, at that time and 1956, and it was even being talked about in the House of the Parliament. It, it was kind of h- huge, really. It became Shirley was the poltergeist girl. She became kind of in- infamous at the time. As this, you know, th- there was a lot of questions around was it a haunting or a hoax?
1: Well, congratulations on getting that story out there on a much larger scale with uh, Peacock and Blumhouse. That's pretty impressive. And uh, kudos to you for that. Is that something that you? expect when you put a story like that out or, or not at all? <laughs>
2: no, I mean, it was it was just like a dream come true. I kept pinching myself. Most of us, when we make a podcast, we sort of help, hope that some people will listen and you might get a few nice reviews. I aspired to that really. And, you know, I, I wasn't prepared for any of it. And it's been a, a real roller coaster year and a half for me, I, I guess, you know, that kind of gave a springboard and a bit of a platform. And then, My play came out and my play kind of exploded into this real West End hit. And then we're now coming across the states of it and it's opening around the world. I think we're opening everywhere from Mexico City to Australia, with Japan and Korea and France and Germany in between. It's been amazing and wonderful. And and it's really all been about ghosts. This has been a year of ghosts. and, And I found this niche, I guess, in terms of doing, I guess, like intelligent shows about the paranormal, I guess, you know, like, Shows that explore and probe and dissect that genre and ask those big questions about what is happening to us. Is there something more out there? You know, is there life beyond death? And do that in an exciting way, I suppose. I'm always very driven by the storytelling and wanting to scare people, but it's not sensationalist, and it and it doesn't slide into that kind of. You know, I, I don't know. I keep coming back to that thing of you know the, the kind of night vision camera shows, which are kind of fun in themselves, but there's something slightly exploitative about it you know that you, you know that it's not totally genuine they they are you know they they want to get you scared by
0: sort of poking at certain things and they'll, they'll do it in any way possible i would say the editing on a lot of those tv yeah. shows is kind of a giveaway and it kind of takes away some of the suspense do you ever worry because your your shows are are based about ghosts and your recent successes are are based on stories about ghosts do you ever worry that if you don't pay proper homage to these ghosts that they're going to come after you?
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's a question people have asked me before about, you know, <laughs> do you ever bring your work home? I really hope not because my wife is about as scared of ghosts as it's possible to get. So, the, the you know, even planting that in her head would be pretty terrible. Um, I, I don't think about that. I guess I'm of the opinion that we sort of tune into these things, I think. And I, I, I think you could look at it in two ways, can't you? If, if you're coming from a sceptic point of view, then you can say that there are certain moments in people's lives and there are certain types of people who are, uh, are more open to imagining these things, you know? And, and I think certainly when I look at the experiences that I'm sent, they seem to often happen in transitional phases in people's lives. So like puberty, becoming a student, going off to university, um, moving house, a breakup, uh, like a loss, you know, having lost a loved one, you know, moments where there's a change in our lives. and, And, you know, and then if you're a believer, then you could say, well, look, these are the moments in our lives when we are more open, we're more receptive to these things, being able to contact us and reaching us. You know, if we're coming from a point of view of saying like, you know, ghosts are definitely real. I don't think that I would walk in to that old house and instantly have the haunting experience that somebody else had. I, I You know, I, I don't think that everybody who walks through that door is going to be haunted and see poltergeist activity. I think it's a combination. Somebody once said to me that a poltergeist is like a recipe. You need the right set of ingredients. You know, you need the right person, the right place, the right person at the right stage of their life. And so, no, I, I don't feel like I am going to bring it home in that way. But, you know, that's not to say I don't have moments where I'm lying awake and these cases are ticking away in my head and I can't sleep because some of these things are deeply troubling and and do feel inexplicable I, I can't explain what's happening to these people so it's that thrill I guess the thrill of the uncertainty and and the the excitement that something might happen to me I love the idea that I'm open and something might happen to me one day
0: I don't know Danny you're you, you said no no but <laughs> what, what you actually said sounded like yes yes
1: be, be be careful what you wish for I think always think yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program.
1: You gave a really cool explanation about it being a recipe of a bunch of circumstances that have to come together for the individual who is on this side of life to experience it in their own way. What about the side of the ghost, so my question is in your opinion what exactly is a ghost? Oh I think that's a, that's an amazing question and that's all I got. No I mean it's, good. it's it's something we explore a lot in the podcast
2: and there are all these different theories you know we talk about poltergeists about how they could be energy from within us this theory of uh, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis where you know objects moving comes from us you know it's like an explosion of teen angst potentially the amazing idea of the dead coming back to life I mean I think personally I would say that that is The thing that drives me on most, I would say that I have quite a profound fear of death and I hate the idea of dying. I hate the idea of our lives just stopping and all this incredible work of living, of loving, of building contacts and, and, you know, making amazing work. And just all this work you build up over years, that just stops. I hate that idea. So in a way, I find death more frightening than any ghost. So. I, I love the idea that, that our loved ones and then us, you know, we can contact from beyond the grave. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, then, then you get into the realms of chaos theory and, you know, nuclear physics. And, you know, I've met plenty of people who can give you a whole sense of time slips and how time is relative and how, you know, we might be just kind of glimpsing living people, you know, but somehow kind of... Um, that the two worlds have opened up and there's a kind of rip in the time-space continuum. So I, I, I think there's so many interesting theories that can be probed. I think the one thing that I could say without doubt is that whatever ghosts are, they do exist because somebody is having these experiences all the time all around the world. I have hundreds and thousands of these experiences coming to me. So, you know, you might believe they are the dead, coming back to life, or you might believe they are some strange kind of burp within our brain, some kind of odd, indigested bit of uh, information. But, but there is definitely something there. And the, the kind of consistency of the experiences, the way people describe them, it's, you know, it's as if you ask people to go out and describe a rainstorm. They describe it in incredibly similar, consistent terms. So, so something is happening.
1: Interesting to me that you brought up your profound fear of death. I just want to explore that a bit more because I know it's an uncomfortable subject, you know what really gets me, and I guess this is just me asking your opinion. I liked what you said about it's not like you have this profound fear of ghosts. It's more like the profound fear of death. And the reason is because like it just pains you to know that those relationships and the your family and your friends and all that energy you get out of life is just gone. And, and it's unknown what happens afterward. It is disturbing to me and a reality check when you have people who randomly die. I'll use Bob Saget as an example. It was just a random, a random thing. Is that part of your fear? It's not an illness that'll take you. It's just a sudden thing.
2: So I think my fear stems from a particular moment when I was in my early 20s. I I had this moment where I thought I was dying and I was hallucinating angels and I was really certain I was having a heart attack. And it turned out that it was a panic attack and it's something that, you know, probably a lot of people listening have had. And it's obviously not life threatening, but it felt like it was at that moment. And I think it just really scared me and really shook me up. And I spent quite a while after that constantly thinking I was going to die. Like every little twinge in my body was, you know, brain hemorrhage or, you know, a heart attack. And yeah, and I think that stayed with me. Kind of there's a lingering thing that that gives me that fear of death. And yes, absolutely. Just the unfairness of it, like the idea of being snuffed out when you're enjoying life you know I, I i happen to find life quite fun i'm a generally kind of positive and optimistic person i think and i enjoy my job so the idea of that stopping just feels horrible you know and um, so i think that's where so much of it comes from and, and yes yeah, certainly you know when you lose people that you love and, and you know as we get older as well we see more and more examples of that your facebook timeline starts to fill up with people losing parents you know or even kind of losing partners and So, yeah, the cruelness of it and the arbitrariness of it feels feels horrible. So I I guess, yeah, I think that we as a society and I think Brits and Americans are particularly This is particularly true of us. I think we're very bad at processing death. I think there are other cultures in the world that are better at dealing with death. And I think ghosts for us are a kind of buffer zone. They're a kind of safety blanket between us and death. And I think we need them. And there's a reason why we haven't shed our belief in ghosts in the way that we've shed our belief in in unicorns and and elves and all these sort of things. You know, we need ghosts. And I I believe personally that that ghosts may well exist. I think there's a a lot of, you know, genuinely inexplicable experiences that suggest that there might be something out there there that, that we call ghosts but even if you don't believe in ghosts if you've got no skin in that game at all if you absolutely are resolutely skeptic and, and don't believe in them you can see that we as a society need them we need ghost stories you know like if you sort
0: of removed that and just confronted us with the horrible reality of death i don't think we as a society could cope i see what you're saying i think that's an interesting take on it does believing in ghosts mean that you believe in life after death I love the idea. I, I sort of feel
2: like, I, you know, I am at heart a coward and I'm an agnostic. I, I, I reserve the right to be wrong. I, I, I haven't really pinned my colours to either mask. What's really important to me for the shows is to keep a foot in both camps and to straddle both worlds. Because I feel like, you know, if I was an out and out believer, then I, I feel like I'd lose my sense of perspective and objectivity. And I feel like if I was a, an out and out sceptic, then I wouldn't treat these people and their stories with the respect and um, gravitas they deserve. It makes sense in a way to be this person with a foot in both camps, but I'm not doing it through some kind of like journalistic impartiality. It's genuinely how I believe. I'm genuinely unsure.
1: Just on your website, you have a shop where people can buy t-shirts and mugs, slogans or sayings. I know what I saw and bloody hell can. I think that's funny. And you said we need ghosts. And I think that needs to be on a t-shirt. Oh, okay. Okay. I won't take anything more than 10% of the sales. That's very kind. That's
2: very kind. I mean, I, I, am I seeing a Ghostbuster t-shirt over there, Lance? Well, that's good.
0: Oh, sorry, Tim, Tim. Sorry, sorry, Tim. Sorry. Even a phone number it's for uh, who you're going to call.
1: That That is great. That's great. I love it. I love it.
0: And we'll be right back after a quick
1: word from our sponsors.
0: Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program.
2: I mean, I I feel very lucky that I've tapped into this, this thing that so many people are interested in. I, I've been obsessed with ghosts my whole life, explored it in various ways throughout my career, but just recently decided to just really dig in and really burrow down and focus on it. And I just feel like I've hit a moment in time where where people, everybody out there is equally fascinated as I am. You know, it feels like for whatever reason, and I think there are definite reasons in terms of the kind of chaotic, uncertain times we live in and the fact that we are confronted by our own mortality in a way we haven't been for a long time through COVID, obviously, but also climate change and the war in Ukraine and all these things. We're being dragged back to a time, you know, akin to like the Second World War, the First World War, where we're sort of close to death and we can smell it in a way we hadn't for a long time. And um, we are sort of asking ourselves these questions. I think there's a real keenness to explore the paranormal, tapping into that, and and trying to help people answer those questions, opening up those conversations. I like I like to think that everything I do is a beginning. It sort of starts a conversation, and then people can go off and do their own work. You know, we we put these stories out there. People do their own digging. They they look into the cases. They they research the places they happened, and they kind of research some of the theories. And I, I I love all that. And I think you know the one thing we were robbed of during the pandemic. Time that the heart of the pandemic, when we were all locked down and not seeing each other, we were robbed of company and we were robbed of entertainment, I think. And, and actually, so podcasts played an incredibly important role in being like a friend, being, you know, creating a community. And giving people something to look forward to every week, the episode dropping, you could look forward to that, finding out what's happening in the case. So uh, for me, the proudest thing out of all of this is just building that community around the shows.
1: That's a really good way to uh, look at it, that the podcast became a friend when we were all in a time that we needed friends.
2: No, totally. You know, like some people have said to me, it feels like I'm their friend. As, As a program maker, as a storyteller, that is as good as it gets you. I mean, you, no no review tops the idea of somebody having that connection with your work.
1: And here comes the the hardball question that's going to make you sweat more than your shed. How did you get into this? How did you get into the ghosts?
2: It starts really far back. I, I think that I grew up in a belief-free household. I grew up with a mum who was resolutely atheist, but had been brought up a Catholic. And so we'd go to my grandparents, and I'd see, you know, these books about the Pope and Pictures of Jesus staring down at me from the walls. And I was interested in the idea that I was missing out on something and that there might be some other layer of existence and experience out there. And I think some people would have found God and I found ghosts. I think, you know, and I, I you know, that's where I looked for my magic. And I, I was really interested in the idea that there might be something more out there. And I, I think I also had a kind of theatrical interest in the supernatural, and I just loved horror movies and. I kind of got more and more into that. And then that, that incident I mentioned about thinking I was going to die. I think that played a really big role as well in triggering a deeper interest. So, so yeah, I just, don't know. I mean, I just genuinely fascinated. I, I feel like it, it encapsulates these, the biggest questions of human existence, really. It's why we have religions really, isn't it? Answering that question about life after death and trying to understand the mysteries of, of the world, the universe and our existence. So I, I, Feel like i'm in a tradition of many people throughout the centuries who kind of tried to explore those mysteries and i'm doing it in a in a contemporary way i guess you know the, the stories i tell a modern day ghost stories, but they're modern day takes on those classic Victorian stories like M.R. James and, you know, that that sort of plunge you into this world of extraordinary things happening to ordinary people. It's got me hooked and and thankfully, it
0: seems other people as well. It's a tough question. It's, I, I commend you for taking on such a big question. Do you think you're gonna be able to wrap up your investigation into this at some point and have a definitive yes or no? I don't. And I think that's really, in a way, the beauty of it actually that as I said I think of
2: detective stories you know when I'm thinking about ghost stories I feel like they are detective stories and I would say the moment I stop enjoying a detective story is when I know the end you know like when I'm reading a great crime fiction novel and the murderer is revealed I can't carry on reading that novel anymore so that's that's the end of the fun and, and I feel like with ghost stories they're the detective story that keeps on giving because we probably won't solve these mysteries in our lifetime and so I enjoy the adventure. I, I, I like the journey. I like the fact that we're all exploring these cases together. And I think you look at these big cases, like I would pick out, say, the Enfield haunting, a famous British case that some people may know, like it was the basis of The Conjuring 2. And, and you know, and Battersea, I would lump in with that as well. I, I feel like they, they are sceptic proof. They retain their mysteries. They're robust enough that if you prod and prod and prod, you'll never quite get to the bottom of it. There's enough Genuinely weird, odd stuff going on there that we can keep talking about it. So I I, I love that. I love the fact that, you know, these mysteries just go on and on and on. And and sometimes it was a very small group of people, a real minority of people who at the end of the Batsy Poltergeist said to me, "You You didn't quite answer the question. You didn't quite solve it. And I'm like, Well, look, we gave you three endings. We gave you like a choose your own adventure ending. We gave you the skeptic ending. We gave you the believers ending from our you know the two experts and then i gave you my take on it which was kind of somewhere in the middle this gray area you know that that is life you know you're not going to get these definitive answers to life life is a mystery and and l- let's celebrate that let's celebrate the fact that we're all in the dark you know groping for these answers and, and that you know it's i for me the journey is the thing
1: and you told us about the uh, Battersea Poltergeist, that podcast, you have two others, you have Uncanny and Haunted. Can you tell us a little bit about those?
2: Yes, so ha- Haunted was where it all began, I guess. And and actually, that began out of the research for my play for 222, A Ghost Story. I had I had this idea for a play that sprung from a moment where a friend of mine said to me, I've seen a ghost. And I remember thinking, you're not the kind of person I would imagine to have seen a ghost. And actually, subsequently, as I've gone on this adventure, I've realized there is no kind of person. This can happen to absolutely anybody anywhere. But at that moment, I I thought like, well, this is interesting. And like, how will our friendship group react to her? And some people will laugh at her and mock her. And some people will be annoyed by it. And some people will worry about her sanity. And some people will absolutely believe it and go along with it. And I thought, what about if you plant that in a couple? And so I started on this play, which is what 222 became, about this couple where, The woman believes that there is a ghost in her house, and her husband does not believe in ghosts. And it's about what happens to that relationship. And it's about this journey they go on to building to this point 222 when she believes the ghost appears across the course of a night, and and their friends who are there for a dinner party get dragged into it. And, And whilst I was researching that, I started asking out and reaching out on social media saying, Does anybody I know have you seen a ghost? And I started getting stuff back in from friends and then friends of friends and then strangers and it went viral and Haunted grew out of that because I thought I've got all these great stories they can't just sit on my hard drive I need to tell them so I started telling these stories in a podcast format Battersea Poltergeist grew from that because somebody came to me with a Battersea Poltergeist case story and I was like this is not a single episode this is a series so that grew out of that and then really Uncanny grew out of Battersea Poltergeist because I just started getting sent Hundreds of stories. Battersea kicked off something. And people kept sending me these stories, these amazing real-life ghost stories that read like Stephen King novels. They were like, you know, so eloquent, so brilliant. And and I I really think that that eloquence comes from the fear. Like, if you're scared, you want to tell people about that fear and you explain it so vividly because you remember it so clearly. And, uh, you know, you just want to make people feel that fear you felt. So so these are powerful stories. And yeah, I mean, Uncanny is a series of, um, I think we did 15 of them in the end. Each one is a, a real life ghost story told by the person it happened to. They are bloody scary. They're really terrifying and we're just in a summer special three new episodes and there's more coming out i'm doing another series this fall if you're into ghosts please come and have a look at my work you know have a look at my wares and if you've got a ghost story then you can email me as well if you go onto my website DannyRobbins.com, you can find us an experiences at DannyRobbins.com email and and you know send me your ghost stories and, and you might well end up being a part of the next series
0: we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor and a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. All right. You mentioned this play, 222, A Ghost Story. Tell us about this. And I'm, I'm dying to know about the title as well. Yes. I, I mean, 2.22 is the time when this woman, Jenny,
2: believes the ghost appears each night. And I don't know, a lot of people ask me if, if there's any symbolism behind it. And I I don't think there was any sort of conscious symbolism to it. But it was just that, you know, that that idea of the eeriness of waking up at the same time each night. It's something that kind of, you know, you see in, in other works of fiction as well. You know, I think people talk about like the devil's hour. There's a certain moment, I think sort of three or four o'clock in the morning, which is meant to be when a lot of paranormal experiences happen. I, I, I like the idea of building this kind of locked room mystery around a ghost story that the characters trap as the clock counts down and will this ghost appear and it really it, it delves into you know the thing I keep coming back to in my work really which is about this debate between belief and skepticism and using belief and skepticism as this narrative engine pulling you between the two and you know one minute you think well you know there's no way it can be a ghost the next minute it's got to be a ghost and And that keeps you on your toes. And it's also about utilizing non-supernatural scares, you know, realizing the real world can be as scary as ghosts. And actually, you know, you've got a great palette to play with. You know, you're in a house and there's kind of, you know, alarm clocks that can go off and, you know foxes that can make noise outside and doors that can bang and all that kind of thing. But the, the exciting adventure for me now is that this show has been a really, really big hit here in the West End. We've been running for the last year and now we're going to a theatre called the Armandson Theatre in LA from October 29th. It'll run until early December. And so that that's really exciting for me. And I've rewritten the play to set it in America. It's why I was reaching out to you guys to, to find this police chief to answer a few questions about one little moment in the play so that's been a really interesting process actually because there's a lot of things within the play that feel quite British I think and about you know like how we live in Britain and the kind of houses we live in Uh, there's a kind of theme within the play about gentrification and this young couple taking over an old house and doing it up doing the kind of the renovation and have they unleashed something and so I I spent two weeks in the States just recently um, traveling around and trying to find my location my equivalent of the area of London where it's set in the current British version, you know, where was I going to set it in the States? And, um, and that's been really fun, just kind of immersing myself and, and going to people's houses and asking them really kind of niche questions about how their heating system works for particular kind of lines within the play, you know, and that's been interesting, I think. I, I'm, I'm quite fascinated by the kind of haunting of the mundane, the domestic, you know, the fact that our houses can take on this really scary quality. And I think that's something that really Really, really resonates post-COVID, the idea of being stuck in your house and familiar things starting to feel scary.
1: And I'm really curious, I hope it's not a spoiler, but what city or town in america did you choose as your london representative
2: no i i I agonized a lot over it and i i think i think we've now honed in on boston i I, you know i considered a lot of options it it was a weird sort of it felt almost like speed dating i was going out there and i was like uh, i went to boston cleveland and new york and i was like you know uh you know boston you seem great you're a perfect setting and suddenly it's well hello cleveland how are you could you be the one (laughs) and then and then new york you look great as well each one had interesting qualities to them interesting things that could make them work i think I've honed in it on Boston for certain reasons that I'll keep to myself, but um, but it felt it felt right to me, I think. And um and it, it's been really fun. And actually, you know, th- this is a play that I think does translate well to different countries. You know, I, I won't be doing these translations myself, but it's being translated into multiple languages around the globe at the moment, and I think you know there is a universality to this story of this young couple moving into a new house and suddenly feeling unsettled and, and feeling like it might be haunted, and it plays into very contemporary fears a lot of us have i think you know that that idea of a space becoming threatening and particularly i think when you're in that stage of being young parenthood this is about a couple with a baby a young child you know all the anxieties that come into play there i think people come and they 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 recognize these characters and even if you haven't gone through that process yourself of having a kid and doing up the house you know people who have again for me that's the fear the realness breeds more fear the more a situation feels recognizable and familiar that the the bigger the ability to frighten us, I think.
1: And I'm curious because I love the idea of a familiar place being frightening because it starts to feel less familiar. The alternative to that is a place that you're not familiar with and not knowing what's around every corner. And I'm curious if there's a location that you haven't been to in the United States that you would love to go to that is reportedly haunted, or maybe one that a lot of people don't know about that's unfamiliar to you that you'd love to explore.
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. You know, I'm not one of these people that has kind of like a list of paranormal tourist destinations they'd like to go to. I mean, I, I went to one recently, which was a really big sort of paranormal hotspot in the UK, this place called 30 East Drive, which is the home of a, a, a poltergeist that is known as the Black Monk of Pontefract, one of the most famous poltergeist cases in the UK, and, and sometimes cited as being like the most violent haunting in Europe, I think. And and I went there and I, I, I was so excited and so full of anticipation. And then ultimately, the end of the night, I sort of felt a little bit anticlimactic as nothing happened to me. And I was really willing it, I was like come on bring it on you know let things fly you know so I, I, I'm not somebody who's going to go like you know I want to go to this castle and this you know this asylum and you know have that kind of list you know I, when I was in Boston recently I was intrigued by the I, I didn't make it there but I was really intrigued by the idea of going to Salem I, I love that idea of you know that kind of historic kind of witchy connection I I, I love history and I get a real kick out of being in historic places you know we've had a few of the stories in uncanny set in really historic places so i i get excited by that but i, I definitely i'm a people person and you know it's for me the buzz i get is when i meet someone i mean like meeting lou barry your police chief the other day i was just like instantly getting a buzz off him and i was like i, I want to get you in a documentary you know i need to you know find something to get you in you know because i'm definitely somebody who views you know each of these people feels to me like almost like a new location, you know, like a, a new country opening up in front of my eyes and with all this kind of untapped potential, you know, you can dive into this person's experiences and, and feast on all their kind of, you know, their, their strange
0: and interesting experiences. Amazing. Well, um, I don't have too much more to ask you, but I am curious if, I guess, the, the streams ever cross, um, using a Ghostbusters reference, if, if the streams ever cross between ghosts and... I don't know cryptids or maybe UFOs or or anything uh, like that we in, go. in your uh, in your mind.
1: He's dying to bring up Mothman. Right? He's dying to bring <laughs> so, up. Hey, you,
2: you said it. I
1: didn't say. <laughs> it. So like,
2: we we did we did two UFO episodes in Uncanny. We did a, a UFO episode about a case called the Todmorden UFO in the north of England, which is a really interesting case of a policeman having a, a strange experience. And that really seemed to grab people's attention. I think there is a real resurgence of interest in UFOs, or we're meant to call them UAPs, U-A-Ps. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I can't yeah. get down with that. For me, they will always be <laughs> UFOs. You know, I'm, I'm old school. So that was really interesting. People really connected with that. And I got a load of people sending me new sightings and new stories. And then we did a couple of really interesting cases together in one episode, which was about school children who'd seen things. One case in Wales here in the UK, another case in Zimbabwe in Africa. So that was interesting. And we'd like to do more of those. And cryptids are really high on my list. I mean, we were really looking for a, a story on that didn't find quite the right story for the series season one, but I think, you know, we will move heaven and earth to try and find something for season two. Cause I, I think that there's a real nostalgia now for those, those mysteries. Like when, you know, when we were kids and we were kind of diving into those books in the school library about monsters and ufos and ghosts and that sort of thing i I feel like there's a real nostalgia for that actually and um we've been fed so many fictional universes you know we've been given harry potter and marvel and star wars and all these things you know they set the parameters for us you know they they tell you the extent of the universe i think now there's a hunger for that sense where you kind of don't know where the, the the edges of the universe are where the mysteries are you know genuine kind of unexplained stuff all that kind of um you know, the old school mysteries. And and so, yeah, I, I want to do all of that. I want to dive into that and werewolves and vampires and watch this space. Essentially uncanny season 2 we'll be bringing you a whole panoply of, of strange things.
1: I think. Great use of the word panoply, by the way, <laughs> everything you do is super interesting. Uh, and you have a great website. You have great content that really transcends that typical, like you said, that infrared vision, ghost hunting, storytelling method. I, I, Loved what you said right off the bat about it's a moment in someone's life that changes and really exploring that is incredibly important if you're in the storytelling orbit like this is important to make sure that your story that you're telling resonates in everyone's ears and i think that ultimately makes things more frightening when you come to the scary part because you've you've hooked them with the relatability and then you're gonna knock them down with the scary stuff uh so keep up the good work and i know you mentioned your website if you want to plug your show yeah and no no, no sure sure them. yeah
2: yeah it, i mean it's, it's danny Robbins.com, one b in robbins and um yeah i mean i i would love to hear from people i, I, I sort of feel like one of the whole points of this is to have chats with people and have conversations with people I always see it as a as a two-way conversation you know you make the podcast as your bit of the conversation and the audience respond with theirs you know and and the show literally is a kind of two-way thing with people sending us their theories and questions on cases and those get included in later episodes so I I think you know I I welcome that love that you know and if you're in the Los Angeles area or you can reach the Los Angeles area in the fall then come and see 222 a ghost story and, and you know I'll, I'll be over there i'll be um, spending about a month and a half out there so you know absolutely get in touch if if you are that way and you know and, and i think also we're going to come out to, with uncanny to the states as well we're going to do a, a series of uncanny in the states. so uh, you know if you've got a story you think should bring me to your part of america get on it now <laughs>